Radio. The No Meekie Show. Yeah, uh-huh. Clash momentarily for class solidarity. Cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from elites, oligarchs, stay fed, deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread. Racism, homophobia, sexism, religion, and this melted pot. We live in time to build a new system. Unionize labor rights. Highlight the issue. Talking heads left is best. The saga continues. Continues. The No Meeky Show. Happy 420 to everyone. You know, today is the day, the day, that we have to remind each other why legalizing marijuana is a top project for progressives and should be a project for everybody. It is not some get out of my weed garden appeal by aging hippies and libertarian tech toke heads. Drug prohibition has been one of the most racially unfair, destructive, and ultimately counterproductive policies in the nation's courted history of unfair, destructive and counterproductive policies. Here is the very centrist Democratic governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, during his State of the Commonwealth address earlier this year. It's also time to acknowledge ways that our criminal justice system treats different people unfairly. Marijuana is a great example. We know that while white people and black people use marijuana at similar rates, black people are three and a half times more likely to be charged with a crime for it. And they're almost four times as likely to be convicted. That happens because that's how the system was set up generations ago. In fact, one of the early leaders of the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency was clear that marijuana law should be written explicitly to target people of color. And so they were, and they've been targeting people for years. It's time to join 16 other states and make marijuana legal and end the current system rooted in inequity. Now, we are not stupid. Clearly a big reason why this major step for racial equity is moving forward across the country is that there are powerful commercial interests tied into it and lined up behind it. Governor Northam himself went on to explain that marijuana would rival tobacco as a cash crop if only it were legal. He had to turn it into some sort of conversation about capitalism in order to favor it. He said the quiet thing out loud, Mr. Virginia. Cannabis capitalism will not turn out any better than big tobacco unless we make it so. So repealing marijuana prohibition is only the first step here. We need to expunge criminal records for marijuana offenses immediately. We need to get rid of the federal laws that still make marijuana possession criminal. Those are the federal laws that conflict with the state laws. We need to guarantee that communities of color have at least at least equal access to the business opportunities created by legalization. And wouldn't it be great if that was rooped into some sort of reparations bill, fair reparations bill? Better, let's make sure entrepreneurs and communities of color get disproportionate access through that reparations bill. It won't really make amends for what has gone down before, but it will help help the future. And this is our next frontier on cannabis. Look at this map. 36 states and the District of Columbia have now legalized marijuana in some fashion. You can see here, some places have approved just medical marijuana, okay? 16 states right now say recreational use is okay. In some places, a market is well-established. Colorado has more marijuana dispensaries than Starbucks. So that's like the right priority for me, at least. But other states, including recently Virginia and New York, have made cultivation, possession, and consumption legal without yet creating any legal marketplace to purchase marijuana. For New York alone, the estimate is that this will be a $5 billion business. So everyone is already trying to get a piece of that action. Lobbyists are popping up. They've been doing it for years, actually, pushing for this, gearing up, laying the groundwork, knowing that New York will inevitably legalize cannabis. California, though, is a cautionary tale of what can go wrong. An enormous gray market of unlicensed dispensaries have developed. 
There are monopolies pushing out smaller, smaller dispensaries. And many of these are in black and brown neighborhoods. As progressives, we need to fight hard to make sure the profits of legal marijuana don't just go to big companies who have the lobbyists, as I mentioned, to make the rules the way that they want and then have the capital to push everybody else out. This should be our 420 resolve. Legalization is not enough. Fair distribution is essential. We have an excellent show today. Ben Dixon and Napoleon the Legend, who was playing, that, that was the music that you were listening to. That was courtesy of Napoleon DeLegend. We asked for it, and then he brought it so quickly. What an artist, man. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before that, we have writer Amanda Chicago-Lewis, who is going to share her reporting uh, on cannabis uh, around the country and what's happening right now with these illegal dispensaries that are selling uh, legal marijuana, as well as other legalization efforts and how they're evolving around the country, the ones that we just mentioned. We'll be right back right after this break. I was just on the majority report and I looked down at my wrist and I saw that I had some sort of weird reaction on my wrist. Um, and I'm saying this because I, I don't know if it was an allergic reaction. I went into the ocean uh, the other day. I do not go into the ocean. That's a whole other story uh, because I've once gotten sea lice and guess what? I thought I had sea lice. And I thought, you know, before I do that, before I freak out and take a Benadryl, I'm going to use some of my Sunset Lake CBD hemp salve and Arnica. And I swear to God, it's gone down. I just put it on before the show. And that is why I said, <laughs> that is why I pushed this product. It's 420. What better day to talk about Sunset Lake CBD? It is a farmer owned company that ships craft CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Uh, Sunset Lake CBD has so many different products, something for everybody. They offer tinctures, gummies, salves, like the ones I just mentioned, coffee, dog biscuits, what I've, which I've yet to try. Uh, they are originally a dairy farm in Vermont. It was actually a Ben and Jerry's dairy farm, and they diversified and now are growing premium hemp. Uh, they support sustainable agriculture, and when you use their products, you are too. You're actually enhancing rural communities and supporting a company that believes in meaningful employment. Their minimum wage is $15 an hour. Maybe they should, uh, like, we should send this ad to Kirsten Cinema and say, see, you can do it. They can make it. And the employees of Sunset Lake CBD own the majority of their company, and they support independent media like our show, The David Pakman Show, and, of course, The Majority Report. And guess what? It is 420. And they have a sale. It started last week. It runs for three more days until April 23rd. You can use uh, a coupon. The coupon code is 420, shocker, 420, the numbers. And you will get 30% off of your entire purchase for anything. Use 420, 420 for 30% off of your entire purchase. You don't want to miss out. I got to do it because I want to get these dog dog biscuits for my dog. He finally got his cone off after four months and we were trying to calm him down because he kept biting his tail nervously. And the poor dog has like been living, it's like, you know, five dog years of his life have had this cone around his neck. So I'm hoping that these Sunset Lake dog biscuits, which are new, it's amazing. Go check them out. I'm going to do it. There's no artificial uh, sweeteners or flavorings. I am neurotic about that for little Bijou because he has skin reactions to everything and then he bites his tail raw and then has to wear a cone for four months. Um, what about you, Dorsey? Any new CBD products that you're using on this 420? I feel like this is the day you got to lean in. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to be on camera today. Otherwise, I'd be smoking my uh, CBD right now. Just, I, uh, I couldn't find it legally, so I had from where I am. So I had to use the salt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I got uh, a nice little package from them the other day from uh, Sunset Lake, and uh, I didn't have to to get any uh, tincture because they sent me some tincture, and that's my favorite. They also sent some chocolates and uh, mm. reaffirming my partner's uh, love for their CBD coffee. She was like it all day yesterday i'm like i, I know it's it's calming but that's a lot of coffee but that's but a lot of coffee it. it tastes that good she's a total coffee snob too she's making it with her um chemex thing and ooh, yeah i gotta like, like come over and try that can i because I, I don't know how to make i have all these machines and nothing compares to like the cold brew that puts me on crack in the morning but i only have to do one 
Oh so, yeah, she'll she'll nerd out with you on the yeah. the like the exact measurements and stuff. It, you know, it's sometimes it's it's not exact, but it's a lot better than a you know a whatever it is a Krups or something, a Mister Coffee thing. It uh, tastes oh, yeah. great. Yeah, it's like pretty clean tasting. So anyway, yeah, she's uh she's back on the on the CBD coffee wagon now that we got that. But yeah, we I I love their products and I love the fact that you know it's worker owned and. Uh, sorry, I was doing some other work. I think they mentioned that, you know, so they, nice they just you. brought somebody on board. Yeah, was- we talked about it last week. They have a new guy on that they just brought on. So we got to give a sh- shout out to TJ, who's TJ. now part owner of the company. One more time, TJ, shout out, part owner of the company. Can you imagine if companies talk like this about, like, like publicly traded companies talk like that about their, it's amazing. Um Guys, you don't have a lot of time. Three days. Go put in 420sunsetlakecbd.com. You get 30% off of your order. I'm running low on solve. Uh, I need to use a lot more of it because I think I am actually having a reaction right now on camera to something. I don't know. Man, life. Always throwing you curveballs. All right, we will be right back with our guest to talk about the topic of the day, cannabis and other drugs. Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. All right, it's 420. Just got to keep saying it over and over. Uh, we wanted to think of, you know, it, it's not controversial anymore. So how do we discuss cannabis and legalization and like the next phase and uh, who better to have on than one of the key experts, best journalists when it comes to uh, reporting on cannabis, Amanda Chicago Lewis. She's a reporter that reports mostly on cannabis and how it relates to policy, politics, science, economics, criminal justice, public health, and culture. Uh, she was a, a, a story producer and do, uh, for a documentary about cannabis on MTV. And she's also written for Rolling Stone, The Verge, Wired, so many other places. Uh, thank you for joining us, Amanda. We really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the kind words. Great to be here. So I, um, I think this, what's, what's really interesting is you, you reported on, uh, cannabis and some of the problems that are happening in California. California, of course, is a great model given that it's a huge marketplace. Uh, also simultaneously, it was, you know, there was so much in terms of targeting communities of color really over the last 40 beyond that, but, but specifically related to uh, criminal justice and, and of course targeting black and brown communities. Um, I'm, I'm, I love that you're reporting on sort of the evolution, like what are the effects of legalizing now that it's been, how many years since they've legalized uh, marijuana in, in California? Technically, we passed the recreational uh, use law in 2016. It went into effect in 2018. Went into effect, and then for medical, how long? Medical technically passed in 1996, but legalized businesses. Uh, it really only legalized consumption uh, and home growth. You had a doctor's recommendation. Got it. Okay, so between whatever, whenever the the, the word kind of got out that it's probably going to legalize. When did sort of the ecosystem, the infrastructure, come into play? When did folks start hiring lobbyists? Did those things exist? Um, before, or is that something that came out of the growth in California? Now, now every state, you know, in New York, for instance, they've been buying ads for, for years. Um, there are lobbyist shops set up, you know, pushing for legalization for a long time. And, and I personally know folks that have um, been planting the seeds for uh, dispensaries for years. But because California was, I guess, technically so early um, in some ways, did, they, did that infrastructure exist before legalization? Sort of. Um, It really depends on what you mean, because, you know, there was activism going back many decades um, and a push to really get legalization um, for adult use going in California began as early as 2009, 2010. Um, But I think what you're maybe pointing to is this big shift that happened in 2015, 2016 from Uh, activists who were trying to end the drug war, activists who were really concerned with uh, people's civil liberties and rights, um, wanting to sort of, you know, keep people out of jail, keep people from the hassle of weed being illegal, um, and get really needed medicine to people who uh, could use it, uh, over to 
how do we make money off of this? You know, people putting money into lobbyists to legalize primarily so they could profit off of it themselves. Um, and then really a sort of sophisticated uh, corporate uh, government relations apparatus that really began in earnest around 2015. Um, and after 2016 is kind of the only game in town. There is still a little bit of activism and philanthropy, but mostly it's this um, profit-driven thing now. So, I mean, this is immediately, I think of John Boehner, uh, who has been, you know, on his publicity tour for the last several years, but really last few weeks. John Boehner, of course, the former Speaker of the House Republican, uh, who is against uh, cannabis legalization forever until, of course, he admittedly is now on the board of a company. Um, but, you know, this is very sophisticated, you know, to recruit. And it's it's not it's not a, a new strategy. This has been going on for every industry um, is to get former. It's a revolving door of politics. Right. Um, this is this is very common. But in California right now, like who are the big players? Like how how much how many monopolies are there? And comparatively to some more you know smaller uh, dispensaries. Um, you know, it's it's really complicated, right? So California, I think, is actually a better place for small businesses than some other states. Uh, nationally, cannabis um, is increasingly dominated by what are known as MSOs or multi-state operators. Um, in many states, there are caps on the number of licenses that can be given out that allow you to legally sell, grow, transport cannabis. So these licenses are really difficult to get. They cost a lot of money. There's a lot of startup capital that you need to get it going to build out, you know, for example, like because it's federally legal, federally illegal, you can't move cannabis from state to state. So you need separate operations in each place, which is really not very efficient. And then there are many states with legal weed where they don't really have the right climate to grow outdoors. So you're building out this like enormous uh, energy consuming, wasteful warehouse to grow the cannabis. And then it costs all this money to get it running and uh, a lot of effort and expertise to do it well. And there's more variability than you might think in terms of uh, how many plants there are and how much cannabis actually comes out of that, because it's actually a very difficult crop to grow. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, you know, we're seeing more, I wouldn't even necessarily use the word monopolies, but we're seeing oligopolies uh, that the governments have created in a most states. Um, California is actually a little more open, but it's very competitive, um, particularly because legal operators are competing with the illicit market, which is particularly strong in California. Um, but you know, the illicit, the illicit market is also strong in many other states that have legal cannabis. Really, the best rate anyone has is Colorado, and they're at about a 30 to 35% illicit market. Um, and so that's our best case scenario in terms of, you know, it's federally illegal, but it's legal on the state level, which creates huge complications, really big problems. Um, and and then I guess the other thing is like, once there is federal legalization, then we'll really see consolidation. Then we'll really see only a couple of operators take over. You know, I saw a study several years ago that said all of the cannabis consumed in the United States could feasibly be produced by six mega farms. Six. It's wow. Wow. Crazy. And then Monsanto will jump in. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, so, so let's talk about these uh, illegal... Uh, is it just dispensaries? Is it people that are growing as well? I mean, so, so that's everything. Okay. So does a dispensary, let's look at the supply chain. So you have farms, right? And do they, they have their own dispensaries or do they sell to specific dispensaries? Like how does the supply chain work in California, for instance? In California, you know, it could work in, in any number of ways. You could be vertically integrated and have a farm. Um, and then, you know, depending on the size and depending on what county you're in, um, you know, be funneling that toward a dispensary. Also, you know, there are rules trying to limit um, 
how many businesses or how big a business can get, but those rules are pretty easy to get around. And most people in weed are used to getting around rules because they were operating illegally for a long time and they're continuing to operate illegally on a federal level. And so it's all about loopholes. And so it's like, what's legal? And like, then there's like, what's what is what people are actually doing? Um, and so, yeah, it, it's very variable. And like, the truth is that like most legal businesses in California have like a sideline of, you know, illicit cannabis because like the profit margins are so much bigger and, you know, it's just so easy because like, we don't have checkpoints on state lines. And so like sending cannabis out of state is a particularly, you know, lucrative and simple thing to do. What does that mean when you say sending cannabis out of state, meaning people who come in for cannabis tourism and then take it back home or literally sending it out of state? Literally sending it out of state. So say you're a farm, say you're a transporter, say you're a distributor, say you're, a, you know, a edibles manufacturer. You know, I've heard lots about, you know, they have a farm and like all the plants on the outside of the farm are tagged the way that uh, they're supposed to be tagged to be legal, but they're concealing at the middle of the farm uh, the plants that are not tagged, which can be grown at like a much higher profit margin when they're sold on the illicit market because they aren't being taxed, they aren't being regulated in the same way, they don't have to meet the same standards. Um, maybe they're using like pesticides they're not supposed to be using that like make it easier to grow. And then, you know, we're talking about like you send it to a state where there's no legal weed, maybe you get $3,000, $2,2500 for a pound versus in state, you might only get $1,000 to $1,500 for a pound. Oh, okay. So it's literally double. Got it. I mean, it's very variable on prices and it fluctuates and it's like, you know, but like, yeah, there's huge, there's a huge difference. And that's just like the price of the pound, not even talking about like, you know, the taxes you have to pay, the regulatory build out. And the pesticide thing is very real because like cannabis in California that's legal is held to a very high standard and you also have to pay for it to get tested. And then there are these pesticides that like make it really easy to not get powdery mildew. So say you get powdery mildew on like a whole tent of stuff and then you're like, well, there's no way to remediate this. And like, am I going to lose all the money that I put into growing this? I'm going to just throw the chemical on it that will make this go away and then send it to the illicit market. Because otherwise, like it's people think you're going to make all this money on legal weed. That is a myth. That is not real. That is not a thing. The profits in weed are in the illicit market. So if you have, you know, all this, you know, uh, legal weed, you're probably actually not making very much money on it. You want to have a sideline where you make the actual money in the illicit market. My brain is blown right now. I'm, uh, this is insane. Okay, so so the, the majority of shops in Los Angeles, for instance, are illegal shops, right? Yes, yes. That's. Do, I mean, that is know that? Los Angeles. That is like a very specific yes. LA, Southern California situation, but yes. Do people know that? Like when they go in and purchase? No. no. There's no like license. Are people looking for a, a, you know, some sort of like seal of legal... I mean, those things exist, those things exist, but like nobody knows to look for that. And that's, I mean, so this is like, you know, cannabis is an extremely local issue, but also it plays out in similar ways in similar places, depending on different factors. But California has been the sort of what not to do on cannabis example for over 20 years, like literally Obama's justice department their memo about like how legal cannabis could work in the States was written with like a side eye toward California. Like when Colorado and Washington first legalized adult use, it was sort of like, okay, this can work. Just like, don't do it the way that California did it with like no rules and the businesses aren't really legal, but they're just operating and everyone assumes that they're legal. Um, So in LA, no dispensaries were legal until 2018. But between like 2006 and 2018, there were between 1,000 and 2,000 dispensaries at any given moment in LA. So I've lived in LA since 2009. And before I you know, covered cannabis professionally, I had no idea that all these shops were actually not legal because there are so many of them and they check your driver's license. And like, 
you have to sign something to go in. And you're like, oh yeah, this is legal because medical weed is legal here. And I have my doctor's recommendation and I'm like buying the weed and walking out and like everything's fine. But no, none of those shops were supposed to be there. And just, just to be clear, these are the these are the shops under the medical marijuana law, not the recent one. They still were, so were illegal shops. The reason why there are illegal shops now is because there was an, a, a decade plus where medical shops were not actually legal, but everyone assumed they were legal. So their existence became entrenched. And then when a small number of those shops became technically legal on a state level, people really didn't notice or understand or care, other than you don't need to get the doctor's recommendation anymore. All the other shops started saying, okay, yeah, like just give us your driver's license. We're legal now too. And like, you really, people had no idea. So- what are the downsides of these illegal shops? I mean, they're, they seem to be primarily in black and brown communities, right? So that's a good thing. Right. No? So why? Why is that, right? There's this huge stretch of South Los Angeles where there are zero legal shops. That's because the shops that are legal have been grandfathered from, they had to have their name on a list in 2007. Then they had to survive from 2007 to 2018. Where do you think it was possible for people to be taking these legal risks and survive and still sell weed? During the economic downturn, let's just remind folks. Not just during the economic downturn, but like surviving waves of, you know, police raids. Like who has the extra capital and who is not getting harassed by the police quite as much? I mean, like in the white neighborhoods, there were other issues where, you know, neighborhood councils were being nimbies and said, like, we don't want this here. And like, everywhere has their own little thing. But certainly the reason why there are zero legal shops in South LA has to do with the like, ridiculous, unfair and like, obscure way that LA decided who even got to be legal, Um, which a judge like a decade ago was like, this is not fair. And then like, we did it anyway, in 2018. So, um, yeah, so there are no legal shops in, in South Los Angeles, which is predominantly black and brown neighborhoods. Um, and what are the consequences? I mean, like, you have to go to an illicit shop. And listen, like, I don't want to, it's, it's not like, you know, there was sort of like everyone was an activist and it was like fine to commit civil disobedience until there was a clear distinction between who was legal and who was not legal. So like, I'm not going to shade anyone for like operating a weed business that's like not technically licensed because I don't really think that's, fair. But for a consumer, if you go to a shop like that, it might have something gross on the product, like some kind of weird pesticide that might be like messing with your hormones or in some way, like killing your brain cells. Um, Also, you know, like the vape crisis, like that was illicit vapes. Like you could get that at an illicit shop. Like I talked to people who went to illicit shops unknowingly in Los Angeles and got sick from vape pens. Like that's a thing. That's what happens. Then on like the people who work there, there are people who work there who don't even know that they're breaking the law. And then they could end up with a misdemeanor. They could end up, um, I mean, there was a boy in South LA who got killed and like got caught up in some gang violence because he like didn't understand that he was working at a Melissa shop, allegedly according to his mother. Um, I want to talk on the, touch on the, the, the war on drugs um, because the argument is, of course, this is going to, the more we legalize cannabis and other drugs, um, it's going to uh, potentially uh, create more stabilization in the global South. Is there any evidence of that whatsoever at this point? I mean, look, if you mean like cannabis coming from the cartels in Mexico, we've already had a huge shift away from that in the last 20 years. Like, the domestic cannabis production is really what supplies the country. We're really not dealing with that much cartel cannabis anymore in uh, the United States, largely because of the loosening of laws um, in California starting in 1996, where there was, excuse me, a gray area and you could sort of wiggle in that gray area, but not that you were fully legal. And so you know, a, an enormous amount of the cannabis that's consumed in the United States is produced in California. Um, but like, you know, I think you in the beginning you were like, oh yeah, cannabis is like no longer controversial. I think the idea that cannabis is like not terrible for you 
and like maybe should be legal and should be acceptable, that's a lot less controversial than it was 20, 25 years ago. However, like cannabis policy is incredibly controversial when you really get into it because it's really complicated. So with that being said, um, and, and this is a layer that I haven't really thought of, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. If it were, uh, if the federal government, if Joe Biden um, were to swipe his pen, you know, just, just at the uh, signing it into law, you, you mentioned there might be like a few monopolies that basically take over the entire industry. Is there some sort of in-between ground where you can keep the small businesses, make sure, are there any proposals to make sure that small businesses are protected? We get the illicit drugs off the market so you're not, you know, people aren't having reactions and dying and, and all of the things that you mentioned, there aren't the safety issues as well as so many other issues. So that there's a pathway for small business owners to take part in this marketplace and not the Monsantos or whoever to, to eat it up so, by having it federally legalized. All right, so like counterintuitively, keeping it illegal on the federal level is actually better for small businesses, because, sort of, because as soon as it's federally legal, all these enormous players are gonna jump in. Um, Altria, formerly known as Philip Morris, right? They put over a billion dollars into a cannabis business in Canada, Canada because it's federally legal in Canada. And as soon as this banking stuff opens, we're just gonna see this like flood of major international corporations in the cannabis industry. So many cannabis business owners are actually hoping that federal legalization is delayed so that they don't have to compete with those folks. There's also this, this sense that like, so like if, so this, okay, this, so, so many things about cannabis like sound like conspiracy theories, but now that I've spent, you know, gosh, like eight, seven or eight years very deep in this, I'm like, oh, this is what's true. But so I'm gonna say this, I know it sounds crazy. The federal government is actually making more money from the, like the IRS tax revenue on keeping cannabis federally illegal, but having the state legal programs. So if they legalize federally, that would be like at a loss. And so they're gonna wanna make up that money. So there's gonna be this like probably pretty high federal excise tax to make that money. I can explain why they're making more money off it being federally illegal. Um, basically, you can't take business tax deductions if you're breaking federal law. Um, so all these cannabis businesses are paying, and this is part of why it's actually not lucrative to have a legal weed business unless you're operating at enormous scale. Um, you know, you can't take business tax deductions, so you're paying an enormous tax rate, right? And so the IRS is making all that money. Okay, so then the feds legalize, right? They're gonna add some kind of like 10% excise tax to be like made whole on like what they're losing from the like state legal, federally illegal businesses that are paying them this huge tax rate. The higher the tax rate, the harder it's going to be to quash the illicit market. So you actually don't wanna have a super high tax rate on legal cannabis. That's like not great policy if you wanna have people switch to the legal market. Um, we're certainly seeing that in California. I've been hearing a lot of conversations about new ballot initiatives in various places and maybe statewide to lower the tax revenue, uh, the tax rates that were established a couple of years ago because it's helping the illicit market survive. Um, and so that raises all these other questions. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> What are we doing? And, 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 and then, like, obviously, there's the criminal justice aspect of this. I mean, there's the criminal justice asking to decriminalize marijuana. I mean, it, I think that people are trying to attack the loopholes in different ways. But, um, you know, nobody discusses legalizing cannabis in any sense similar to this conversation on the federal level, like during the presidential debates, for instance. It just seems like a kind of complicated. It's really complicated. complicated and people don't understand it. But Criminal justice, it's still the most common reason for arrest in America. It's not a major driver of mass incarceration. That's kind of a myth. There are very few people who are, you know, locked up for long periods just for cannabis. I mean, there are some people and we should like help them get out. But really, it's this like economic 
financial burden on the like three quarters of a million people who are arrested every year for cannabis, fees, lawyers, probation, fines. It's not like really getting people locked up for long periods, but it's like just siphoning money from the like poor people, black people and brown people of America. And it might have been their first, second, third offense, or they may have been held, as you said, without bail, uh, able to pay the bail. And of course, that leads to so many other complicated issues every step of the way. Super interesting conversation. Um, we might extend our 420 coverage and, and talk about this a little bit more. I would love to have you back on, Amanda. Amanda Chicago Lewis. Go check out her article. Uh, her article is out right now on this specifically this Los Angeles. What's, what's going on in Los Angeles right now? It's in it's in Politico magazine. Uh, if you go check out Politico magazine, it's the half legal cannabis trap. Super fascinating conversation. Um, really appreciate your time and happy 420. I'm sure you've got the whole circuit. You're like on the 420 circuit today. <laughs> Just... Exhausting day every year, but yeah, happy to come. <laughs> it's complicated. It's confusing. It's not easy to understand. But I appreciate you putting uh, time toward it. I appreciate you doing the work. We're just asking the questions. Of course. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. And special shout out. We've got Kenzo Shibata in our YouTube chat right now. Thanks, Kenzo. I just got that notification. And everybody else, we are going to take questions at the end of the show, all of our super chats on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, thank you all for, for jumping in there. All right. We're going to go to a quick break and come back with our panel. We've got Napoleon the Legend and Ben Vixen here. The no makey show. The no makey show. The no makey show. All right. Without further ado, the host of the Benjamin Dixon show is here, Ben Dixon. Hey, uh, yes. And of course, Napoleon the Legend is here, Afrobeat hip hop artist. That song, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Yeah. That's that's a new song. Oh, Napoleon sent me. Pretty oh, no, amazing, right? Fire. Yeah, no, I was in the I was in the zone with it. I was, oh, all right, let's do it. <laughs> I, all, I sent all, all for Namiki. All for Namiki. Oh, we yeah. asked for it on the show. I like put him, <laughs> made him a little uncomfortable. I was like, "Can you do one for us?" <laughs> it's amazing. You put me on the spot, but now I had to come through. You know. And I, I, I sent I sent you a voice memo. I was listening to it, uh, and I had someone in the room who works with me, and she was she didn't know what I was doing, and she's like, "Yo, that's a really that's, that's a really good song." She's like, "Who? Who's?" And then she heard my name. She's like, "I'm so confused. What's going on? <laughs> what are you listening to?" <laughs> All right, guys, happy 420. Uh, we are gotta talk about. I mean, I, my mind was just blown with our last interview. I don't know if you had a, a chance to listen to it live, but. Uh, we had on a cannabis reporter who just came out with a story um, on the Cal California, like what's going wrong in California. And she basically blew my mind saying, be bad for small businesses, be yeah. bad for black and brown communities if we federally legalized marijuana. Also be bad for tax revenue. Um, anytime John Boehner says something and he's for it, I'm like, I don't know if I buy this. But two thirds of Americans now support the legalization of marijuana. Ben? You got some feelings. I can feel the feels. No, <laughs> no. Happy 420 to everybody. Um, you know, it's just I'm just thinking about the fact that John Boehner is able to be on Fox News and make this grand gesture, this grand statement of hello, America. It's OK for you to get high now. Right. And to me, it's like this was this is something that so many generations have been trying to tell this country. Right. And it took all of these years to get to this place and it took all those arrests. It took all those people going to jail, all the people getting killed or unnecessarily. So all those things it took for them to now finally say, hmm. And what made them finally say, hmm, is the fact that they can make money. John Boehner is in position to get so much money off of marijuana. So, of course, he needs America to be OK with it. I mean, Napoleon, he basically said it out loud. He's like, yeah, I'm on the board. I don't even smoke weed. I just like my wine and my cigar. Yeah, we know John Boehner. Like, that was your reputation. Tanning beds, smoking cigars, and, and drinking wine. But, like, I, have, I would have thought that Capital would have jumped on this a little bit earlier. So, Napoleon, you are so – you have a firm understanding of foreign policy. Um, was this, like, as the, the, as the global south became – you know, they started, like, making less money – in the global south, you know, funding armies and revolutions and overthrowing uh, dictate or overthrowing socialist governments and putting in dictators, um, as that as that business enterprise started to go down, were they like, okay, now we can make the money on the weed? 
Is that well, kind of the intersection? It, well, it's, it's 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 all about the money all the time, and you know we're in America anyway, so it has to make sense on, on that. So I'm not surprised that they um, they found a way to benefit from it, which is always you you think they'll do it for the right reasons, but they're not they're not even doing it for the right reasons. I'm just happy because I mean it needs to be done anyways. You know, it, it's it's like. Um, the, just the hypocrisy behind those rules anyways and the racial undertone behind the laws with drugs and everything like that are ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 but that's like that Puritanesque style, you know, philosophy of like, we, we, we have the moral high ground, but now, as you see, Boehner going on Fox and, you know, as, as like, you know, the conservative so-called channel talking about it's cool to get high. It, it's just an mm -hmm. about face, but it, it's so American at the same time. And it's like, yeah, what uh, Amanda was saying earlier, but it's always what happens in America. Like even when when they do the right thing, it, it we're not going to be the ones. Black and brown people are not going to be the ones benefiting from from whatever policies they're going to put. Even the, even if it's the right thing to do, you know, yeah. a, a, as a whole, we're, we're always going to get the short end of the stick. So it's like the whole system is is messed up, anyways. You know, re regardless of what. You know, I, I want to quickly show Schumer's response to this, too, because the politics of this are so funny right now when you have the former Speaker of the House who's Republican for it. You have Joe Biden firing uh, potentials or not not hiring staffers who admitted because they're like, what <laughs> to smoke and pot. And 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 that, of course, is a is is if Joe Biden were to um, be, be acknowledgement of federally of uh, potentially legalizing marijuana. But I want to show Schumer, speaker, uh, leader of the, the Senate right now. Let's see what his response is. Today is what you might call a very unofficial American holiday, 420. It's an appropriate, it's as appropriate a time as any to take a hard look at our laws that have over-criminalized the use of marijuana and put it on a par with heroin, LSD, and other narcotics that bear little or no resemblance in their effects either on individuals or on society more broadly. The war on drugs has too often been a war on people, particularly people of color. He's so nervous. He's just like, oh, am I allowed to say this? Young men and women, disproportionately young men and women of color, have been arrested and jailed for even carrying a small amount of marijuana, a charge that often came with exorbitant penalties and a serious criminal record from which they might never recover, being rejected from job after job because this serious criminal record was on, because this, this minor, minor deviation from the law was listed as a serious criminal record makes oh, no man. sense it's time oh, for change wow if only if only there could have been a senator from a state like new york or california or somewhere some democrat who lived in a state where there were real criminal justice issues that could have seen this study that he just cited i don't know when it came out 25 years ago <laughs> i was I, I was just thinking how long it takes for the word from down here in the streets to get into our temples, right? Like it, we known this for years, but the opposite side of the coin is that they're, they are, they're not just ignorant strike that note. They're not ignorant at all. They knew that when we knew that, but they had investments in the prison industrial complex. They had investments in making sure that they continued criminalizing this drug to the point that they can fill those for-profit private prisons cells. That it, even if the beds are empty, the state, the government has to pay. And so they knew that, but they had to milk life for as much as they possibly could for as long as they could. Napoleon, I mean, th this is ultimately it. It's 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 the the, the criminal justice. Uh, era of the 90s when these guys came up and Kamala Harris, who's just, you know, another iteration of it. But but what is it about right this second that seem, I mean, is it just because New York legalized marijuana because because Cuomo was pushed to do so and New York's more progressive at the base? 
Well, what do you I, think? I mean, it's not it's not like I'm going to start trusting Schumer. Like, you know, like right. he obviously has is just thinking strategically for his own career where he feels like the the winds are, are are going that way, that direction. He's trying to be a little more left, a little seem a little bit more cool somehow by 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 pushing for these things. He's trying to gain some popularity. And because uh, to me, he's always going to be one of those donor, big donor Democrats or, or whatever. But uh, I think he's just it's just a survival thing for him. And uh, well, and at the same time, like I said, like it has to be done anyways, because there's some people legally who have problems with that, who need who need to have their record expunged. I remember like being in, a, in like in Brooklyn and Brownsville, like if you get pulled over and you have like a, a, a little roach, like a little joint. They'll, they'll put you through the system with something where they could just tell you to go home or whatever. You know, it's like the time, the money, the hassle. If you already have like a warrant or if something like that, you could get in such trouble for something that's now seemingly about to be legal. So and that's why it's important to pay attention to these. Just as a side note, this is New York City. That was legal under Michael Bloomberg, that was legal. Who all you know? All these Democrats are like, oh, it's, there's no difference between De Blasio is a bad mayor. You know, well, let's just be clear. Yes, De Blasio has made some major mistakes. He is owned by the police union, as every single mayor in America is, and as every single mayor in history has been. But let's just be very clear. De Blasio ended that policy, and that change transformed communities. Did he go all the way? No, mm. no, no, no. But it has absolutely transformed communities because it was a ridiculous stop and frisk, broken windows policies. Are you effing kidding me? The fact that that was in New York with New York lawmakers, you know, who are supposedly progressive. Come on. That's why that matters. That's why you don't elect Andrew Yang. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, they, they take, they, they have to feed the machine somehow. Right. This That's monster, right. this monster has to be, they grind us into pulp <laughs> so that we could feed all the different parts of the monster. Like you're talking about brother, like, like they need all those mechanisms to be kicked into gear. The fact that now you got to get an attorney. Now you got to go through the system. Now you got to go through this, this clothing line action is dependent on you being in that system. So of course, of course they would take their time legalizing something that we knew generations ago was okay. And um, it was, it was okay to put all this music out to do all these movies about weed right. and do all this and promote weed to like the youth culture while it was, it was, not legal and why is why are the laws following like 10 20 years later it just makes it's, it's just ridiculous so hypocritical but yeah. we're used to it that's yeah. right so i want to i want to shift um just a teeny bit because uh while senator schumer who is the wall street senator as we all know um there there is a house bill uh involved involving cannabis banking i don't know if you guys are familiar with this cannabis banking um this bill has been approved Crazy. So this is how quickly things are shifting. So the U.S. House of Representatives on Monday passed legislation that would allow banks to provide services to cannabis companies in states where it's legal, a step towards removing what analysts say is a barrier to development of a national industry. So um, just to be clear for folks who've never purchased marijuana, cannabis at a dispensary, you got to buy it in cash. You got to pay in cash because it's not federally legal. So somehow they were able, I mean, this hasn't passed yet in the Senate. Um, I'm very curious who's going to block this bill from mm. <laughs> passing. And frankly, I'm curious if even if it does pass in the Senate, if Joe Biden will sign it into law, because it's essentially a federal acknowledgement of, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's the whole, like, they kind of look the other way thing with the states. Um, but it's still an issue. So, uh is this just going to incentivize monopolies more, Ben? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. They're buying themselves time, right? To your point, this is there's time now for all of the uh, big tobacco companies to get in position and to get in line, but they're already in position. It's now time for them to execute. Don't think that they're going to let this market come in and actually be something that democratizes uh, the effects and the benefits of marijuana. Absolutely not. Napoleon, what are your thoughts? I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's it's time to make this money, and it's time to tell the, the big players that, you know, that the floodgates are about to be open, and it's time to eat, you know? And it's um, things like that need to be done in with some sort of, like, fairness, like, to, to level the playing field, and that's 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 what I mean. It's not going to happen. It's just those big companies are going to are gonna benefit, and the, the smaller suppliers are going to be, you're probably going to have to still do it illegally. I don't know. 
Mm. Um, I just wanted to know real quick. I'm sorry, guys, for for shortening this, but the um, Derek Chauvin trial, of course, they've been deliberating the the jury. They have just reached a verdict. We don't know the response yet. We're just waiting to see. Um, and we may not have. A, I don't know how quickly they're going to come back with that uh, with the verdict. I think they're, they're coming up at four thirty. Is four thirty? What, what we had on our side, yeah. You got on your side. See, Ben's mm -hmm. got his own production crew there. Everyone's, <laughs> you know. Um, but let's just can we can we touch on that for a second because this has been a, a very passionate. Um, the 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 country is 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 on the edge of their seats and um yesterday i i, I kind of want to touch on this one aspect because first thing it just effing pissed me off but um in light of the largest uprising right the largest reaction um rightfully so uh to the george floyd death and brianna taylor death and so many others it was a culmination of everything movements working hard um over the summer you also had this response from, partially so response from the, the, the racists of this country in storming the Capitol, feeling insecure, feeling like they have the right to, to push back you know, and wreak destruction on this country. Um, yesterday, Kevin McCarthy called for Nancy Pelosi to censure uh, Maxine Waters, who was discussing how, discussing the Chauvin trial. And I, you know, I, 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 I think she has every right to, to, to speak freely. Her community is being boarded up right now um, in anticipation of potential riots if they do not uh, reach the proper verdict. And so many other communities are as well. I think that's where it was coming from. But I'd love to get your, you know, your reactions to how uh, this country is anticipating the verdict, Ben. You know, um, they're, they're, yeah, no, they're preparing for... This is the way we used to prepare for a hurricane that was coming to South Florida. We saw it coming, right? We taking the chance, are we going to board up or not? So most of the time you did, and then you know what's coming. And you just batten down the hatches and you ride out. They know that a storm is coming and they're preparing for it. And I guess, you know, the real question is, is if he's found guilty, the real question is, is are the reactionaries on over there, are they going to respond? Because they have, they're vested in this just as much as we are, as much as we're fighting for justice, they're fighting for an, an injustice. And the question is, are they going to rise up if they don't get the verdict that they want? I doubt it, though. What do you think, Napoleon? Do you think that um, they're going to take down those uh, the boarded up banks and H&Ms and, you know, targets when uh, when the police off duty police officers take to the streets? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the, the whole world is watching and, and, and it's, it, it's, it's like the type of things where I, you know, I, w I want to hope for the best, but it's like, I'm, I'm kind of pessimistic about it because I don't, I want to have any expectations when it comes to, to what's going to happen because ultimately it's, this is a verdict kind of on white supremacy and also on policing as a whole. And, um, we've seen, uh, and, 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 and it's also, uh, it's, on our society, like they, they, it, it's, it becomes a fight against protest or against people who are going against injustice. Like Maxine Waters just showing solidarity for a certain cause she believes in, and she's being centered into the debate when the problem is somebody got killed. You know, a, a, a man who, who who shouldn't have been killed, probably arrested at, at the very least if he did something wrong. And it's it's uh it's it's really um, I mean. It it, 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 it's really a problem of policing, you know what I mean? And I, and I've heard that the thing, the prosecutor said it's it, they're trying to individualize it to Chauvin when it's actually, it's, 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 it's such a big problem. And it's a problem also in Minnesota and the whole nation, you know? So, so I guess, you know, say, say he's convicted, right. Um, or not convicted actually, let's just say either way, what do you think is, are there going to be reforms that come out of this is there's going to be vast and i don't say reform in a in a incremental approach i mean are is there going to be change that happens um on our side because we're already seeing it on the right they've introduced because they have such a command of our legislatures because the democrats are asleep at the effing wheel um but they've already introduced hundreds of bills across the country not just for for uh voter suppression but got this crazy um, anti-riot bill where where uh, you know Florida. a couple can be a mob and 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 a, and a thruple can be a um, can can be a riot sorry <laughs> I mean I, 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 it doesn't seem like we're prepared 
Yeah, we, we, it's, it's, we've got movements, we've got organizations out there who have, you know, policy papers, thousands of pages long, and yet they've got a command of the legislature. They've got ALEC down in these legislatures uh, ready to just, I mean, completely circumnavigate any sort of, of personal freedoms, as they like to say. What do you guys think? I, I'm fascinated. I'm just, you know, it, it takes so much to get so little justice in this country. It's just, I mean, this is almost like the system is having to sacrifice one of its own in order to preserve itself. And it will do it. I mean, the only practical decision here is for this man to be found guilty. And I'm not talking about just in that courtroom. I'm talking about in the court of public opinion, right? Y'all got to give us one out of all the stuff that they've seen and they've ignored y'all gonna try to take this one from us see i'm just so amazed at how much it takes for us to get so little justice great great i mean that's really it that's and, it and I, and, and I think also it, it it might it might come with more like anti-protest type bills because if they if they so-called give us that one they're probably going to take that away they're like look we're, we're, we're willing to take a step, but you, you guys, you guys can't scream too loud about it. You guys can't, it's always, it's always a give and take where it's like, uh, they're going to repress our voices one way or the other. And yeah. we're supposed, we're going to be supposed to be happy. If he's found guilty, they expect this to be like celebrating where actually, you know, it's like the damage has been done historically over and over again. That's, that's, it's nothing. It's the mm. right thing to do, but it's still nothing. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, of course. It's like when a family, um, uh, you know, whose who's family member has been murdered and uh, the verdict comes in and they decide, I mean, it's the same exact thing. It's just on a much larger level. They're still mourning. People are still mourning. The, the family's mourning. This is, you know, the country is mourning. Well, at least part of the country is mourning. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really... It's, I think we're all on the edge of our seats. But yeah. <laughs> as Ben said, you know, this is this is how they do business. They see every crisis as an opportunity. And they, it's literally how they do business at the expense of lives in this country. It's how we've built this country. I don't need to tell you guys that. But what I will say is thank you for joining us. As always, 420. Ben Dixon, go check out the Benjamin Dixon Show. What else are you pushing out there? I know you've got your... Your, your morning like it show? Or not. Yeah, the morning yeah. show, like it or not. Same channel, same time, 8.30 in the morning. 8.30 in the morning, because yeah. you got kids. Yes, and I'm surprised they're not out People with kids get up early. <laughs> I'm waiting People... for them to come running out now. People with kids get up early. People like me get up early for things like brunch <laughs> and yoga. I'm, not, I'm lying. I actually get up early. <laughs> Pulling to legend, what are you promoting right now? Tell us what's out. Um, I have a song out. Um, I adapted uh, from a French rapper called Akenaton. He, he asked me to adapt his song called um, uh, The End of Their World. It's a 19-minute song. I never did anything like that. Wow. There's a video, so check it out. We're talking about the world, uh, different perspectives. And I have uh, The Whole In My Heart Part 2 coming out next week. So Oh, good. So where can we find both these things? iTunes? Yeah. Where else? Everywhere. Everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. However you can get it, just, just get it. doesn't matter. Get it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Always appreciate you. Happy 420. Happy 420. <laughs> Take care. Take care. All right. To everybody else, let's let's go through some of our chats. I don't know how many we have in here. Uh, what I do know is Kenzo Shibata was in the chat. So thank you, Kenzo, one more time. Uh, Verbin Weaver, Chauvin Verdict Reach, are we going to air it? Wait around. We might, I think, if, Dorsey, can we just continue to air air it uh, afterwards? Yes. Okay. We're just going to play it so you guys can watch it. Um, Cause I don't know how long it's going to go on. Kowalski from Nebraska sends his love. Thank you, Kowalski. Ian Kinzel. I meant to send this last week, but when you were on vacation, Sam said your name correctly once on the air. I was so proud of him. How did I miss that? My God. It's like, he's learning his lessons, literally lessons. Uh, <laughs> Joe Blundell says it also happens to be the most easily growable source of protein on the planet. Hemp seed without question is the most nutritious nutritious food source on earth. That's very hard to say. Cannabis is illegal for so many reasons. So it's funny you mentioned that because I, I have a funny story about, I mentioned the platform committee twice today. Uh, the 2016 platform committee, one of the craziest, most controversial topics, and maybe we'll do, I'll have some like platform committee members come on one day and we'll just do a, a re revival. We'll remember the best moments of that meeting. Um, 
they, there was a legalized cannabis provision and it wasn't, I'm sorry, hemp, excuse me. I just messed up the entire joke. It wasn't cannabis. It was a hemp and they lobbied the anti-hemp provision as if they were lobbying against Medicare for all or like eliminating any, I mean, acknowledge, acknowledgement that, uh, you know, eliminating lobbyists from the Democratic Party. They were so aggressive about the hemp. It was crazy and none of us could really understand it. And to this day, I don't understand it. I don't think it was like, because it's an acknowledgement that cannabis should be legalized because I, I think that, that even the establishment split on that as we're seeing right now. It was insane how aggressive they were. And the, the, the advocates for hemp, when I first watched their speeches, I was like, wow, they're really passionate about hemp. They're like, the constitution was signed with hemp or the declaration of independence was signed with hemp. It was on hemp. It was amazingly passionate. So if you ever have a chance to go back and watch the 2016 platform committee meetings, um, the the major ones that were in Orlando, Florida in July, beginning of July, uh, go check out the hemp debate. That one was hilarious. All right, people, folks that were in the live chats, thank you. Shout out to Midi Doctors, Mario, uh, and everyone who's been working those algorithms. And of course, our YouTube moderators, as always, Choke and Bob C, the Orb and Chuck Diesel, Oh, the trolls are out today. I am shocked by that. Could it have anything to do with the fact that I've been challenging Andrew Yang? Could it have anything uh, to do with the fact that we have been challenging cryptocurrency? And oh, whoops, we were on MR today talking about um, failed strategies by Delay the left folks. Come on. That's where we know where they're coming from. They're all generated. It's a little community. They like talk to each other and then they go, go blast them. Go say misogynist things on YouTube. Wow, you sure are strong. I hope you guys are doing well man. All right, go take a walk. That's what I say. Anytime I want to like do something negative to somebody else, I say, you know what? That time is better served towards me. I'm going to go take a walk. There are those who externalize their pain and those who internalize your pain. I try to internalize it by eating. <laughs> Can't you just do what everybody else does and just eat some chocolate? All right. Huge thank you also to Dorian Sapiens, A Difficult Truth, Nug Wrangler, and our means on Twitch for keeping the chat rooms troll free. Where's Harvey K? Was he here? What's going on with Harvey K? Harvey texted me on the show, I think. I got to catch up with him. If you're watching Harvey, I will text you back. It's been a whirlwind couple of days. Uh, for those who watch, you know that I was traveling uh, for Matriarch in Miami. And uh, now I'm working on a little project to be discussed later. Uh, Schultz 100, thank you for your excellent, excellent program. Have enjoyed it immensely. I am so appreciative. Well, make sure to share our program with your friends, your family, your sisters, your brothers, your neighbors, everybody, because that's how you get the word out. We are fighting those algorithms, not just with the trolls and the likes and all the things that they do, but you know, to share it with folks if you can. And we're on social media, as you guys know as well. All right, everybody, stay in solidarity. We will see you tomorrow on Wednesday, 3 p.m., same time, same place, 3 p.m. Eastern. Take care.